Good morning, International Church of Prague. Becky and I, along with many others, have been in Slovakia to celebrate the marriage ceremony of Alazar and Martina. And it's been an amazing and beautiful time of seeing how God has brought them together, as well as being together with other members of the church family. But our hearts are there. We miss being with you this morning. But you have a great privilege. Today, uh, Jeff Rogers, he's a pastor from the United States and is now serving as chaplain at the Christian International School of Prague, is going to be delivering a very important message from God's Word that he'll be sharing with our church family. And so I want to invite you to welcome him, his wife Carrie Beth. They also have a son Parker that's here, and they have another daughter who's back in the States in university. But they are now serving here in Prague, and I want to make sure that you make them feel very welcome as they're here with us. And listen very carefully to the message he's going to share. It's an incredibly important topic because our lives are transformed when we learn to truly give thanks in every circumstance. So Jeff and Carrie Beth and Parker, welcome. We're glad that you're here today. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Good morning. We hope you guys are doing well. Thank you for having uh, Carrie Beth and I here today. Our son Parker is not with us. We actually put him on a train a couple hours ago to go serve up in Germany. He is an American football player, and he's getting the opportunity to uh, teach and to minister to other uh, Germans uh, to uh, for the week uh, with our mission organization. So in that video, you see uh, the 10, the 10 lepers, and you see that one man, that one Samaritan, um, come back to Jesus and express thankfulness. Now, all 10 are healed, as we saw in that, but only one is saved. At the end of that passage there in verse 9, Jesus says, you know, you have faith, so you are saved. And that man walks away not only spiritually healed, but also uh, physically healed uh, because he was, uh, they were all grateful. They were all grateful, but he was what? He was thankful. You saw that he surrendered. He literally took a posture of surrender in front of Jesus at his feet, expressing thanks. And so today we want to look at gratefulness and thankfulness. Because what I've discovered is greatness or gratitude, like you saw in the video there, gratitude is feeling thankful, uh, but thankfulness is gratitude in action. Uh, when the leper went back and, and put himself in front of the feet of Jesus, he showed thankfulness in action. 
And that's important because being a thankful person is not an easy thing to do. Would you agree with that? Being a thankful person is not always easy. I know for me, it's not always easy. As a matter of fact, it is contrary or against our lives as sinners. That is our our nature, um, is to sometimes be negative, to not be thankful, and it requires us to live out of the resources that Christ gave us. And you think about it, there are many things that can keep us from being thankful. And as you have looked at the encounters with Jesus the last couple of weeks, uh, you have seen people's lives transformed. You have seen in the Gospels uh, the Lord heal people and deliver them. And you've seen them leave thankful. But there's many things in our own lives that keep us from being thankful. Think about it. Uh, Maybe you and me compare ourselves to others. Anybody ever do that before? Um, Maybe we compete with others internally and externally. Um, Maybe sometimes we uh, feel the woe is me card or the playing the victim card. Um, Maybe sometimes we have this sense of things being owed to us. We all have those things in our lives. And, and out of those things, um, we have to probably sit back today and think, yes, I identify maybe with a few of those things, maybe all of them, maybe one of them. But what is it about these things that make you think less rather than thankful? And I really want to press into that today because, you know, back in America, we would usually preach thankful, thankfulness or thankful at a time of thanksgiving. Uh, but today, as we look at these encounters with Christ, as we come out of this pandemic and we're actually meeting in person today, Um, it's important for us to recall all the great things the Lord has done in our lives. So today we're going to be looking, not actually at the the Gospel of Luke, but we're going to be turning over to Colossians chapter 3. And we're really going to focus on verses uh, 14, 15, and 16, really landing on verse 15. Now in Paul's third chapter of Colossians, he sort of kind of outlines the rules of holy living, um, or what I like to refer to, and maybe you want to write this down, it's balance, balance in our lives. When he starts out the chapter, as you look in, in chapter 3 there, he sets the tone in verse 1 when he says, so now that we have been raised with Christ, set your mind on things above. So now that you have been saved through Christ, Paul is reminding those and Colossae, who were going through times of, of differing philosophies and heresy and all that, but he's trying to remind them, don't focus so much on the world. Be thankful for your salvation. Be thankful for Christ. Set your mind on things above. It is not a general statement that Paul starts this out with. It, it is a statement of declaration. It is a statement of ownership. It is a statement that is an imperative command. And so let's look at verses 14, 15, and 16. Now that we know, this is where Paul's going. And we're just going to really dive into this. Um, Colossians 3, 14 says this. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And let the peace, which is that harmony or security, of Christ's rule, which we could take as determined, in your hearts, since as members of one body, you are called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing with gratitude in your hearts. Let us pray. Uh, Father, as we get ready to just, uh, Lord, um, dissect the Scripture and just, Lord, apply it to our lives, Father, I just pray that uh, as we prayed earlier, open hearts and open minds. I think 
Father, all of us, Lord, struggle with being thankful, uh, obviously 100% of the time, but remind us today, Lord, Lord, as we saw with that one man, the 10% that came back, fell to his knees, surrender, a posture of surrender with thankfulness. Let us be reminded of that. Let us have an attitude, Father, in our own hearts of that gratitude and that thankfulness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So proceeding in these verses, if you look at verse 13, are all the virtues that Paul encouraged the believers in Colossae to develop, which are bounded by love, okay? Compassion or tenderhearted mercy, as he says there in verse 13, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. As we are encouraged to clothe ourselves with these virtues um, and align our behaviors to reflect these, these really high moral standards, we need to remind ourselves that they are a reflection of our attitudes. They are a, a posture in which we are to live out our lives. As Paul told them uh, and tells us in this passage, we should clothe ourselves with these virtues. With the last garment that he talks about there that we put on is, is love. For me, usually the last thing I put on is my belt, and that's sort of kind of what love does. Love is like that belt, right? It binds, it binds us together. It, it, it holds all these other virtues in place. We go back to 1 Corinthians 13, and we know that love is the greatest of all virtues, that love pulls together all these other things that Paul is talking about into this perfect, unified action that can lead to unify others. It can build up one another as well as the body of Christ. And when we think about it, to practice uh, any list of virtues without practicing love, that discipline, it will lead to lives that are distorted. It'll lead to lives that are fragmented. It'll lead to lives that stagnate or stay in one place. And ultimately what happens when we do that, our lives fall apart. Um, Those who desire to live in Christ must make love a top priority above all others, as Paul writes. That bond of perfect unity, also known as our journey in maturing as Christ's followers, does not become just an individually gained state, but a corporate one achieved in this relationship, bound and held together, cemented, rooted in love. So in this passage we read, look at verse 15, and that's where we're going to spend the rest of our time uh, today. And it, it begins with this word, and, which a lot of times is not that important of a word. But when we just talked about love in verse 14, Paul starts with, and, which connects it to what already has been said about love. Verse 15 really has three components. It talks about the peace of God. It talks about being part of the body or unity. And it talks about uh, being thankful And I believe that all of these truths are connected. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. So let's look here at a few points today that we need to live by in 15. The first one is this. You cannot be peaceful if you are not being thankful. Now just look at that for a second. Think about it. Reflect on it. You cannot be peaceful if you are not being thankful. Would you agree? I do, yeah. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Peace and ingratitude cannot share the same space together. Peace and ingratitude cannot coexist 
um, because they cannot fellowship in the same soul. Uh, There is something about the nature of ingratitude that keeps a person from being filled with the peace of God. And that's what Paul's writing about. Peace in the original context here literally means the soul's harmony. Think about that. Peace literally means in this context of the harmony of our souls. We are then told that peace is to rule in our hearts. And that word rule there in this verse actually comes from a language of athletics or sports. Paul wanted to remind believers in this, in this period of time to let the peace of Christ act as a referee. Now, who in here is familiar with sports? You know what a referee is, right? I, unfortunately, as a child, was, was not a good sport. I played a lot of basketball. And the referee would always have to come and remind me a lot of times of my behavior. Um, because I would get a technical, if you know what that is in a basketball game, where I would get a foul, I would argue with the ref, that would happen, and I would get a technical. Because I was trying to rule over the referee, but the referee was in charge of the game. And you see that in, in football, and you see that in other sports. And that's what Paul is sort of kind of reminding us here, is, is that constant battle for us to want to rule our own lives and not give that control uh, to Christ, because ultimately, if we do that, we do not allow the Holy Spirit to release peace into our lives. We do not allow the Holy Spirit when we try to live life out of bounds. And living in the land of ingratitude is definitely outside the boundaries of God's desire for us. There are no benefits that come with being in, uh, in a life of ingratitude. We as followers of Christ, as people who continually on a daily basis work out our salvation to become more like Christ, should let peace that comes from Christ rule in our hearts. Now, I don't know about you, but me, this this does not mean that all differences of opinions will be eliminated in life. Uh, But it would require that they work together despite our differences. Here's the deal. Do you enjoy, um, and sometimes I am this person, but do you enjoy hanging out with someone who is always demonstrating how ungrateful they are? Or maybe somebody who's always negative. Always pointing out maybe what is wrong with everyone else, but they fail to see it in their own lives. And we all go through these patterns in our life. I would venture to say that none of us in here would deliberately choose that kind of person to hang out with. And so in this, I don't think the Holy Spirit, he, he doesn't like it when we do this. He wants that peace, all right, to be present in our lives. He wants the attitude uh, that, of gratitude. And if you think about it, when we are being ungrateful, it is a sure sign that we're not at peace, all right, with our place in the world. We are not at peace with how we believe maybe that God is caring for us. We are not at peace with what is referred to as our lot in life. And therefore, as Paul refers to our hearts living in peace. That Greek meaning there is that we cannot come to a place where our hearts, which is the center of who we are spiritually, the center of who we are physically as well, can be settled. All the questions that arise and float around in our minds, we cannot grasp those because we're not living in a peaceful state. So the first thing is we cannot, we cannot be thankful. We cannot be peaceful if we are not being thankful. The second point today is you cannot be in unity if you are not being thankful. Now look at that up there. You cannot be in unity 
if you're not being thankful. Verse 15 there, the second part says, since as members of one body you were called uh, to peace. Paul writes uh, collectively that we are called to a life of peace and to live in unity as a body of believers. As I mentioned, we find it difficult walking in unity with people a lot of times who are ungrateful. We find it difficult in walking in unity with people that sometimes we disagree with or others who rarely show gratitude toward any others in life. And I was thinking about this. If God can't please someone, then how in the world can we? How in the world can we take that on and try to please somebody else if God cannot please someone? How can thankful people and unthankful people walk in unity? It's difficult. Maybe you have a kid in here. Obviously, some of us do. And I know in our home, when we're at disagreement, when we're not in unity, it's not a good thing. (laughs) It's not a good thing. There's a little tension there, right? There's a little tension. There's a little misunderstanding. Maybe we don't sleep that well until we come together put it all out on the table, and try to figure out how to come to a resolution, how to come together in unity. And that's what God is desiring. This is what God is desiring, for us to walk in unity. When believers have an overriding attitude of thankfulness, and when they have that constant gratitude flowing in their life and in their hearts for everything that God has done for us, we have unity. We have all those behaviors and attitudes that make life a lot easier to live out. Now, we have two choices. We have two choices. We have the option of living with one of these two uh, focuses in our lives. The first one is we can focus on God's goodness, his blessings, and all that he has done for us. That's, that sounds all nice and easy, right? All we have to do is, is focus on God's goodness Uh, all of his blessings in our lives, and all that he has done for us, and we're good. It's easy. Or we can constantly uh, be negative or constantly complain about what has not yet happened, what he has not done yet, or what others are not doing for us, or what our job is not providing for us, or maybe what our government is not doing, or maybe sometimes even, I know in in some of my, my past churches, maybe what the church is not doing And on and on it goes. And a lot of us, we spend time in this area. And we live this way, seldom seeing our own irresponsibility or our need to change. And Paul is reminding us, hey, you don't have to live like that. The work has been done for you. Look look at what you need to be thankful for. And Paul also wrote in Romans chapter 1, verse 21, For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God, and, and then it says, nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened when he's referring to the Romans. But look in there, in that middle of that verse in 21 is, nor did they give thanks. That idea of a thankful life and a thankful living is embedded in all that we do. Because ultimately, as Paul writes there, being unthankful will allow our hearts to go down a dark path. It will allow us to live in foolishness at times and darkness. And we have to take some hard facts when we wrestle with this. If we are not a thankful people, we are a foolish people. If we are not a thankful people, we are choosing a lot of times darkness over light. 
Ingratitude often indicates that some darkness has taken root in our hearts and leading us into foolish thinking and living. I know if I go back and look at my life, when times that I have not been thankful or I have not been practicing that virtue of love and thankfulness and gratitudes, I go sideways. I go this way in life. And my focus is not set on things from above. My focus is set on me. And a life of ingratitude instead of a life of gratitude. So I was thinking the other day, how many of life's issues and problems may very well be solved and we, if we just became more thankful for what we do have, for what God is doing in our lives and in other people's lives, how much easier would it be if we celebrated those wins in life more? I know the last four or five months, it's been talked over and over. It's been a difficult time. It's been a very difficult time for many people. Very difficult. And it's been very easy to look at nothing but the bad news and the negative and the restrictions and all those things that have been necessary. But in that, we lose sight or we can lose sight of what God is doing and the opportunity that God has given us in our lives during this time to focus on him more, to reach out to others and in our own way. Like I know the online method has been huge. This is, I'm excited today because this is the first time in probably four months where I've been able to preach in front of a group of people. We started an online worship deal at, um, at CISP back in March, and it's been going every week strong. And um, I was really looking forward when Drew asked me a couple weeks ago, he's like, hey, going to do a wedding, uh, would you mind preaching? I'm like, people, yes, I, I want to be with people. I want to be with people. I'm from the South in the United States, so I love people. So this, is, this has really been good for us. But if you think about it, that life of thankfulness, very important because if we're not a thankful people, our lives will run off into lives of foolishness and, and lives that are unfocused. Maybe you've heard of this, uh, this guy, Aesop, Aesop's Fables. Maybe you've heard of the tortoise and the hare or something like that, but he has a, a fable about a father and his sons. This will, this will work for everybody in here. So here's how the story goes. A father had a family of sons who were always arguing. That never happens in my house, but they were always arguing among themselves. When he failed to heal their disputes by his intense urging to make things right, he determined to give them a practical illustration of the evils of not being unified. And for this purpose, he one day told them, Hey guys, go out, bring me a bundle of sticks. So when they had done so, he placed the bundle into the hands of each one of them in order, each one of the sons, and ordered them with their bundle of sticks. Each one had a bundle of sticks. He said, all right, boys, break them. They tried with all their strength to break these bundle of sticks, and they were not able to do it. So he next opened the bundle. He got each one of them to open the bundle, take the sticks out separately, and one by one, he went and put them back in their hands instead of a bundle, upon which they started breaking them easy. And he then addressed them with these words, as a, as a good dad would do, my sons, if you are of one mind and unite to assist each other, you will be as this bundle, uninjured by all the attempts of your enemies. But if you are divided among yourselves, you will be broken as easily as these sticks. And that's a great image when you think about it. When, when we come together, when we are unified in our lives, in our homes, in our communities, in our churches, 
it's that much harder for Satan to, to get in and do his damage. As this fable is, but when, you know, when, we, when we live life out separate from everyone else, and we live life unthankful, and we live life uh, without gratitude, it's very easy to be broken. Because being thankful helps us to, to literally stick together, as this uh, story says. It makes relationships either, and therefore we are absolutely able to accomplish more together than we can ever do apart. God has called us together, and one of the ways we stay together is to be thankful in everything. I like that story because that story, you know, it, it, that is true. I know it's true in my own life. When I try to go and do things on my own a lot of times without the counsel of others, without godly counsel or uh, just doing it on my own, a lot of times it just does not work out. But being reminded when we come together and we draw on wisdom in the body of Christ to live out life, to share our hearts, to share our troubles to be reminded of the thankfulness that we have in our lives, it's harder to break that bond. A lot, a lot more things happen in a positive manner. So the third point today is you cannot be who you are supposed to be if you are not being thankful. You cannot be who you are supposed to be if you're not being thankful. So we've talked about peace. We've talked about unity. Now we're really talking about identity. We're talking about identity here. That last word, that last phrase in verse 15, Paul writes there, look at it, it says, be thankful. Real simple. Paul tags two little but powerful words at the end of verse 15, be thankful. It's not really a suggestion that he is making. It is a charge to live out a thankful life. He's not saying, hey, if you think about it, be thankful, right? When you get around to it, maybe when you get home tonight, be thankful. He's saying in all things to be thankful, being thankful means that we have a life like that leper, full of thanks, that there is always something to thank God for in every situation. Notice I said you can thank God regardless of the situation. I did not say you had to be thankful for the situation, but you can still thank God for being with you in that situation. I know for me, there's been a lot of times in my life I have not enjoyed the situation I've been in, right? Because it's sometimes a period of growing or stretching that's difficult. But I'm always thankful when I look back and see what God has done. Someone once said, do not grumble because you do not get what you want, but be thankful you do not get what we deserve. And how true is that? That, you know, if we just take perspective on life, if we take a step back and look what God is doing in our lives and not focus on all the other, the other things that the world is doing, because when we do that, we see that we deserve far less than this mercy and grace and forgiveness. But Christ offers that. So in verse 16, as we finish out today, we read the words of Christ um, that the word of Christ should dwell in our hearts. 24-7, that we should study and gain knowledge of God's heart, that we should apply it, that we should teach and admonish and offer counsel to others, to correct one another, to encourage one another, to live out lives where our attitudes reflect Christ as much as possible so that we can sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Again, it says there, with thankfulness in our hearts to God. That's a beautiful thing. These three verses are some of my most favorite verses in the Bible because in it we learn not only a life of thankfulness, but we learn about how to live a life that is godly in all that we do, 
that is effective as we reach out to others to share the gospel and lives of excellence, as Paul later talks about in verse 23, to be excellent in all that we, we do. So the question today as we, we get close to wrapping up is, what is our first response when we are faced with difficulty? Are we thankful? Are we unthankful? Are we thankful? Are we unthankful? May God help us to get to the place where we quickly go vertical to him and thank God for what he is doing instead of what we're not receiving necessarily from the world. And that's what Paul is saying here is, hey, when you have difficulty, look at me. Look at God. Look up. Don't look it around too much. Look at the Lord. May God help us to get to the place where we quickly go vertical and thank God for him and what he has done and how that would help us to see that God is still in charge, that God will continue to take care of us. There was a lawyer that successfully handled a difficult law case uh, for a wealthy friend. And, and following the outcome of this, of this case, it was a really positive outcome, a very happy outcome. The friend and client called the lawyer, um, expressed their appreciation of his work, and handed him this incredible Italian leather wallet. They handled the lawyer that, all right? Now, the lawyer took the wallet. He looked it over in astonishment and sort of kind of, uh, you know, not, not in a good way. And he handed it back to the client uh, with a sharp reminder that, hey, man, a wallet cannot pay for what I just did for you. It cannot compensate me. So he gives the wallet back. He's like, this does not compensate me for the fee uh, for my work. And he was in a bad mood. And he, he got really, really upset, and he said, hey, the fee for my service is, let's say, $500, or maybe 10,000 10, crowns. The client opened the wallet. He actually had 20,000 crowns, or $1,000, something like that in there, and he removed half of it out, turned around, gave the guy the $500 bill with a big old smile. It was cut in half, because Why? The guy forfeited his blessing. He got too focused at, at that one little moment uh, because his heart was not right. When we do not allow gratitude to be our attitude and not be thankful to God for all that he has done, this happens. A lot of times we literally overlook the blessing in our life and, and the Lord wants to do so much more for us, so much more for us. And Paul writes in Thessalonians, for everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. It's personal. The Lord wants to. He wants to bless you. He wants you to be thankful. It's God's will for us to be thankful. It is one of the ways that we, as Paul does say, can glorify God in our lives. And that's why Jesus, at the end of that encounter, says, now go. Your faith has saved you. Go and share. Go glorify me in all that you do. Because as we see in that encounter, as we wrap up, there was one Samaritan. He was a foreigner. And that universal theme of reaching out for the gospel that Luke portrays in all that he does, in all that he writes, that Samaritan, he fell face down. He gave that posture of surrender, for he was thankful. And Jesus says, faith has saved you. And that man walked away from that encounter in Christ healed physically 
and healed spiritually, thankful and with peace and freedom in Christ. And so the question I want to lead today is, how does a thankful life produce a joyful life? As we read the words of Paul, as we are reminded in that encounter with Christ, how does a thankful life produce a joyful life? I think that's important for us to reflect on as this week goes on, as we look at these encounters with Christ over the next couple of weeks, but also as we are reminded in our own lives, in our own walks, what to be thankful for, what to be joyful for, that Christ has given us freedom, that Christ has healed us like that man and sent us out to proclaim his gospel. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for today. Father, thank you for this uh, time. Uh, Father, I pray for everyone in here and those tuning in online, Father, that, um, Lord, the words of, of your gospel and the words that Paul has written there uh, just resonate. Father, that we see that a life of gratitude and a life of thankfulness is so important. Father, to live in peace, not only in our own hearts, but with others, to live, Father, in, in unity, Lord, and to understand who we are, our identity, who we are supposed to be in you, and that is people of light, Father. Father, I pray for this congregation, continue to pour out your blessings on them. Uh, Lord, I know that many of us struggle uh, with these topics. That Lord, that's why they're, they're in the word, Father, and that's why Paul, uh, Paul's words just ring true even today, Father. Lord, I pray for travel mercies on the group traveling back from Slovakia. Uh, Lord, allow them just to enjoy their trip and enjoy their return, Father. I pray for, Lord, anyone here today who is just struggling. Struggling, uh, Father, to understand who you are. Uh, Father, struggling to understand their path in life. Uh, let them be reminded today, Father, that you call us to you, Father that we are to take that posture of surrender, to be thankful, and then to go, to live our lives for you, focused on you and not the world. And so Father, I pray for your hedge of protection around each and every one of us today as we go from here to minister, Lord, to this country who desperately needs you. And Father, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.